If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply felt discouraged or even defeated, if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then this podcast is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mustafa Amar. Mustafa is an author and the founder of the Passion MBA, where he is a speaker and consultant for individuals and corporations around the world. He is truly a global citizen who's lived in five continents and speaks seven languages on different fluency levels. In addition, he has enjoyed success in several fascinating fields, including pharmacy, diplomacy, and multinational infrastructure banking. He is the author of The Passion Project, Build the Career that You Were Born to Have and Find Your Life Purpose. Welcome, Mustafa. Thank you, Carissa. It's, it's a pleasure being with you today. Yes. Well, tell me about yourself and where you grew up. I was born in Egypt, but I grew up with my family in different countries. So my, my dad used to travel all the time since I was one year old. So I was traveling with him um, everywhere. Uh, I grew up as a, a shy kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, where did you live in Egypt? Just out of curiosity. In, in Cairo. Yeah. In Cairo. Okay. The big city. Yeah. Because I, I'm going to be going there in February. So just curious. You should let me know when you're going. Oh, <laughs> you have some connections there maybe. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I will. <laughs> okay. That's another conversation. Sure. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I grew up as a shy kid, uh, but always dreaming, you know? So I still remember when my, you know, my parents, you know, people around me were asking me when I was six years old kid, you know, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up, you know, and I say, I want to be an astronaut, and I want to be a diplomat, and I will be a soccer player, I like I say, five, six things. Um, but then, yeah, I always had that feeling inside me that I could do different things, and I could follow always, always my passions. Yeah, um, so because people were at that age... They were trying to put you in a box, which is what most people do. They want to label you already. And even I do that. You know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And, exactly. and now I'm starting to see you're really expanding my mind because now when I'm talking to my kids and they tell me, oh, I want to do this. And I said, well, you can also be an investor. You can also start your own a company, you know, exactly. so. So I try to like plant little seeds that they, they don't necessarily have to do just that. So that's amazing that you already knew that at age six. I mean, I, I had to conform at that age, you know, being that shy kid, I had to conform. Like, yeah. because each time I answer that question with the same answer, they say, no, you cannot. You have to pick one. Oh. So I tried, I tried to pick one. <laughs> so they did. Oh, no. yeah. But it was never fulfilling me. You know, I was never fulfilled. Like, no, I don't want to do only one thing in life. It's only one life and I have to do several things. But I, what I decided to do when I was 12 is just follow my passion. So when I was 12, I thought my passion would be a diplomat who traveled the world. And I say, okay, oh, okay. I'm going to Is that, that when you left home? To travel? Um, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
No, yet, but I was planning all the time. Yeah, yeah, in your mind. In, your, in my mind, in my imagination, and we will come to the imagination power that it, it really opens a lot of opportunities for you. Okay. Um, I started looking at, you know, imagining myself traveling the world and even preparing myself for such exam. Like in order to be a diplomat, it's a very long process of, you know, examinations. And you have to go through like two years of exams. Um, so I started, you know, preparing myself until I was 16. I decided to be a pharmacist out of passion for chemistry. So the idea was to just pursue my passion. I had this born passion inside myself toward chemistry. And I say, I have to study all kinds of chemistry. I still remember when my dad asked me, you want to be a diplomat, right? So why not? I say, if I can do it after graduation, I will do it. And that's what happened. It's like, yeah, I studied five years of chemistry. I enjoyed it. I was already enough of it. So I decided to, to be a diplomat and prepare myself to be a diplomat while working as a pharmacist. And this is how I, I went to the, you know, to the second life, if I would say. I have another second career life as a diplomat. Um, in diplomacy, I work in the UN, in New York. I work in Africa and Malawi, in China. And at some point after 11 years of my career, I thought I need a change. I need to do something else. Mm -hmm. This is how my third, third opportunity came to be uh, working in a, a multinational development bank. Um, and currently I'm in my fourth life. So I am preaching all the concepts and values that help me to transform my life, uh, you know, with people just to help them to transform their lives. So. That's amazing. I was just curious as a child, did you learn those languages? Did your parents help you or you had a tutor or you no. learned them when you were older? No, not really. Um, what happened was, I, I think when I was, it's, it was part of my big dream to travel the world. So when you travel, you have to speak the language, right? So I was like, oh, um, maybe Italian is nice. is a nice language. Okay. Maybe Spanish is easy. I uh, studied French in school. And then I said, uh, I just have to pursue this. I had the opportunity to travel to China and learn Chinese. So I went there and I learned Chinese. Yeah, the Mandarin, right? Mandarin, full-time study. Um, so it was a step-by-step you know, yeah, the more you amazing. enjoy one language, yeah, it, it moves you. Okay, what's next? This language is, I love it. I enjoy it, but I want to learn something more. I, I would yeah. say Chinese is another level because it's different logic from our languages, you know, mm -hmm. like Arabic and Hebrew, they have the same logic. Um, um, you, French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese have a similar logic, but Chinese is somewhere else. So was quite mm. tough for me in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, knowing the written language is a whole nother level, is, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's always a logic behind in any language. So once you crack that logic, then I think it's easier. Oh, that's so wonderful because so many people travel, including myself, and don't learn the other languages. I mean, I learned Spanish and I went to Guatemala and studied. Um, but I've been to so many countries and it's just wonderful. It just shows your love for people and, and mutual respect, because that's what I feel like it's about when you can speak their language and you go there. That's amazing. 100% uh, agree, because it's not only about the language. It's it's about the culture and understanding the other culture mm -hmm. and then behaving in 
you know, in a similar way, trying to, you know, impress them, try to make friends with them, you know, and it was always helpful everywhere. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're very impressed. Okay, now let's talk about your book. What inspired you to write it? Um, that was three years ago when I was in a banking career. Um, and what I was doing is I was doing my MBA at the same time in, in Manchester in the UK. Um, I was very interested in writing. And I thought that I have many ideas to write about, at least 20 ideas, 20 concepts that I could write about. And this is how the idea of the book came, uh, uh, you know, while, while reflecting on it. And I thought that I have done this career change a few times and each time was so successful. Um, despite all the hardships, you know, the doubters around me, you know, the difficulties. And it's like very major career shift. So from a pharmacist to a diplomat, you really have to build all the skills needed to be a diplomat, right? At some point, when I learned those skills, I became a diplomat for a while. People were looking at me as if I was born as a diplomat. But no, I wasn't born as a diplomat. I had to learn all those skills. And then I had to move to investment banking. So I had to learn new skills and integrate the skills that I have, you know, in my two other careers with the new banking career. Mm -hmm. So I thought that there is a methodology here. There's, you know, there's steps that I followed and each time they worked. Then I went back, flashbacks, you know, the first career transition, the second, third, and they were identical. So I put everything in, you know, on, on a mind mapping chart. And you say, this is amazing, you know? And then I did my fourth career transition based on that very intentionally. Then I started trying it on other people and it worked each time. That's amazing. So your fourth career transition, is that your company, the Passion MBA? Exactly. Oh, amazing. And so what made you want to start it? Just because you found out your own passions and you wanted to help others? What's the purpose? What I believe in life, if you have your passions, your values, your vision for your dream lifestyle aligned, you can do whatever you want. So in, in my case, I had always to align my passions with my values, with my future vision. So our passion changed over time. So me and you, 10 years ago, we were completely different persons, having different interests, different passions, right? Mm-hmm. But, and over time, we evolve, our personality change, you know, our priority change, right? So we, we tend to have this, we are ever-changing creatures. So we tend to have different lifestyles, you know? So the more you are able to adapt to your new passions, your values are mostly similar, or sometimes they change over time. And then your vision for your dream lifestyle. When you have them all together, you know, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm going to try to put a side by side. See how that looks. So, okay, let's give some advice to our audience. How can you reincarnate your career and become a job shapeshifter? And, And I think you touched on this a little bit when you talked about imagination. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. Uh, you know, the, the benefit of being a shapeshifter, especially after COVID, you know, the world, you know, millions of people lost their jobs, some lost their investments, right, savings. So non-shapeshifters, oh, let's come, you know, one step back. A shapeshifter is, in nonfiction, is a, is a, 
is a being or, or, or a creature that is able to change his or her physical form all the time, okay? If we apply this to career shapeshifting, it means that, you know, a shapeshifter is somebody who's able to change his career, adapting to the environment around him or her. Uh, so non-shapeshifter, they cling to one thing in all their life, you know, they cling to one major, one area of expertise, one domain, and that's it. And even the, if they want to have something else, if they want to try something else out of fear or out of conformity, you know, the idea that, you know, I was talking about with my family and people around me, I had to conform at some point, right? Mm -hmm. No, you cannot do this because you're going to lose your job, because you lose your savings, because you start something is risky. But then on the other side, shapeshifters are able always to adapt themselves. So they can live different lives in one, in diff, like different several lives in one single life, which is very, very, very powerful. So if, if I look at my life, I consider myself somebody who lived four lives while I'm still in my late 30s. Uh, even if I'm in my fourth life, I'm planning for my fifth life, maybe five years from now. And it's much more enjoyable and entertaining, fulfilling feeling that we only have one life. So I'm not here in this life to, you know, pay my bills and, and just die. I'm here to pursue a life purpose, think of, of my life purpose, try to reach it, enjoy myself, um, you know, fulfill uh, my potential, reach to my full potentials, and then help people around me. Mm, that's amazing. <laughs> and what about people who, who are saying that they don't want to have uh, a job necessarily, or they, they have unfulfilled dreams. Maybe they want to be a writer like you, or they want to be a speaker or, you know, and they don't really see it as a job. They just see it as a dream that they want to come true or they want to travel somewhere. What do you think? How do you feel like this fits in with that? I think we are not able to fulfill our dreams right away. We need some time. Right. Okay. So the, the main idea here is not to ignore those callings about those dreams are coming to you mm -hmm. open the door and keep your job. You know, it, you might keep it for two more or three years. And this is what was always happening with me. You know, when I was I, I was a, a pharmacist, I had to work as a pharmacy, but then I spent part of my day focusing on that dream and yeah, going toward the cash flow. Exactly. So, and, and the same in each step. So what I advise people is don't ignore the callings. Uh, spend time on reflection. So we're talking about imagination, right? In order to build that, you know, imagination uh, power, you really need to reflect every day. And reflections means that I would have, like, for example, 30 minutes session, you know, every day, at a certain time, every day in the same time. And it's uninterrupted. I'm completely focused on big ideas about life. I'm reflecting about my life, whether I'm enjoying my day or not, whether I'm enjoying my job or not, whether my personal relationship are, you know, fulfilled or not, um, whether I'm happy, if it's, if it's today my last day in my life, whether I'm happy and fulfilled with my life, or, oh, no, I have a lot of regrets. Oh, I wish if I could do this. I wish if I could do that, you know? So it's very crucial to live every day with this, reflection session so you know ah okay even if i haven't yet reached to my goals 
at least I'm on the way, right? At least I'm just pursuing them. Um, and, you know, people don't regret their mistakes often. Uh, if we, you know, if I do a mistake, I think I would just think about it for a while and then, okay, I learn from it and I move on, right? But the long lasting regrets, lifetime regrets are the regrets about the things that we wanted to do what we never did. The dreams we wanted to pursue, the skills we wanted to learn. Um, and I don't want to be in that position or any of our listeners today, like in our last day in our life. And then we say, oh, I wish if I could do this. It's, it's, a, it's a very tough feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea is to keep whatever you have, pursue, give yourself 30 minutes, one hour every day to reach the, that dream. Even if you have a time frame of three years, mm-hmm. at least you're pursuing that. Yeah. And, and you can see the end of the road. You can see the end of the rainbow. Exactly. How, how do you feel? So if people are bored in their job and they want to do something else, how do they feel on fire <laughs> about their <laughs> career? <laughs> so uh, I think the main idea is, I think, burnout. Because uh-huh. one of the structural reasons uh, of, of burnout is lack of passion. So if somebody is bored about his or her job, it means that they are lacking passion for whatever they're doing. And it means that at some point of burnout. And, you know, burnout has many reasons. But if we reach to that point where the lack of passion means it's the only reason or the sole reason to be burnt out, this means that you really have to leave your job. You have to. So uh, I was at some point, I was burnt out in you know, in my banking career. And I was, I, I thought. Long hours, right? For investment banking. At least 12 hours, weekend working. I had more burden on myself while I was doing my MBA. So all, you know, I mean, the rest of the day was for study, writing assignment, preparing presentation. So uh, I was burned out. And I think one of the reasons is like, if you are lacking passion, then you have to, you know, shift gear and and find, okay, what's else? What's next? What's my next passion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's just funny. I was having a flashback to when um, I did this ergonomics evaluation for this investment banking firm in New York. And they were, they were working 12, 15 hours a day. And, and, uh, and that was part of the problem, you know, it's like I could set up their workstation all proper and everything, but um, I, I feel like they needed a little bit more balance. Now I'm not saying, you know, you, you could still be passionate about banking, but I still feel like there's a value in life balance and, you know, eating healthy and walking and, and finding time for yourself for the things that you love. Definitely. And if, you know, if, if somebody gets sick, no one will take care of like his work will not take care of him. You know, they will find somebody else to do the job, right? That's true. And so, I mean, work is fine. It's good to fulfill, you know, something you're, you have interest for uh, and fulfilling a value that you're adding to, you know, your working environment or people around you. But as you said, you, you need to have that balance and you need to make sure what's really matters for you in life. You know, yeah. like if you have a family, you, you need to spend some time with them. If you have kids, you need to sh- see them, you know, growing in front of you, right? So like you need to see that they have that feeling. If you have interest or passions about traveling or, or doing something else, 
So the idea here is if that burnout is long lasting, then you have to restructure your career and rebuild it as per the passion project concept to fulfill you know, what are the most important values and your vision for your dream lifestyle as well. Amazing. Okay, let's say somebody in our audience is looking for a job or maybe they want to start their own business. Where can they find the best opportunities? Do you have any hints for our audience? I think the main mistake people do is that, you know, they focus too much on their CVs <laughs> and, and look at LinkedIn or, or, or whatever. Those are useful websites of course, useful platforms, of course, but the first or the only one question that you should ask themselves, what I really should do, what I really want to do before going to the market and ask the market for its needs. Yeah. You, you need to adapt the market to your needs rather than adapting yourself to the market needs. Instead right? of just seeing what is available. Exactly. So yeah. Back to that triangle of passions, values, your vision for your dream lifestyle. If we imagine we are, that's this analog, you're driving your car for thousands of miles across the country. You need three essential elements here. One is enough gas for the whole travel. Second is GPS tracker in order to know where are you going, right? And the third, you need an address or a final destination to reach. Uh, So without enough gas, you will stop at some point, right? And without the GPS tracker, it means that you will get lost in the middle, right? How would you know in a, in a road that you never traveled before? And without then final destinations, what's the benefit of having GPS, right? So the idea here is your gas is your, or your fuel is your passion. Without enough passion, you will stop at some point. The second is your GPS tracker is your values. You know, your values are what will make sure you are in the right directions, fulfilling all the big uh, priorities and interests in your life. And you need an end destination. And the end destination here is your dream lifestyle. And here we come to the visualization and reality. It's like you, are, you should really visualize where you want to see yourself five years from now, let's say. Um, and what I mean here is visualize where you're going to live, how big is your house? You know, uh, which city? Uh, how it looks? How your your working day will look like? Where you're gonna have your breakfast? With whom? You know, all those visualization process um, is super powerful because when you have that in mind and you have you know that vision and that dream lifestyle over there, and the more you are pursuing that, then the closer you are to to that live vision, right? Yeah. So back to the idea of whether you need a CV or not, if you know your passions and consider it as one circle, your values, another circle, your vision, another circle, they are intersecting in one area. You should look into that area. This is where you should focus. Uh, If it's two opportunities, if it's three careers, you have to have them here, okay, in this area. And then you can adapt the market to you. And then you can adapt your CV to, you know, I, I did this all the time when I work in a banking career. This is what I did. I say, oh. this is what I want to do. This is my passion. This is the effect and the value I want to add to the society. Because, for example, I was able to 
bring investments from that bank to different developing countries and infrastructure. So I feel so lucky to bring millions of, you know, US dollars of investments. And even if I were there for 40 years, for me, that's, wow, that's something I'm so proud of. Um, And then I approach the bank from that perspective. This is my value addition. This is where you need me in, in this position. This is how I can be helpful. And because of my former expertise, I could use them in a blended way that, you know, no, I would say no one, no another banker could do it. As an outsider, I have another vision, you know? Yeah. Uh, so so that's people the don't main... really do that. You know, they just say, here, take my CV. <laughs> say, like, here's all the value. Unless they're an entrepreneur. Yeah. So if you think more entrepreneurial about the value that you're giving the company, then that can work. Exactly. And as long as you're adding a value that maybe management in that company didn't see, they were like, oh, oh, yeah, I think I need this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always believe in the power of being an outsider or I would say a generalist. So a generalist is ah, somebody. Yeah. Somebody spent, you know, time in different domains, different careers. Right. And he's because coming. That's to how the, you get around the question of you don't have enough experience, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, yes, uh, specialists, they have been there all their life, right? They know every single tiny detail down there. But complicated problems, you know, that they never saw, they will never be able to solve them. No way, because they never saw it, right? Um, but in order to solve complicated problems, you need a team of both specialists and generalists. And what the generalists will do will drive on their former experiences and bring them. You know, we used to do this in that way, so we can use that technique. You know, and it's, and it worked, and it worked with me. It's actually, it's, it's scientifically proven. And uh, there are a lot of people who talk about this. For example, uh, uh, mathematician Freeman Dyson, mm-hmm. he, he wrote back in the 50s, he wrote a book about this. Uh, he, uh, in a, a long article, he said that specialists are like frogs. They know every single tiny detail down in the mud, while generalists are like birds. They are up there above the trees, they can connect horizons together. So I cannot say none is better than the other, okay? But you need both in your team. Yeah, wow, that is fascinating. I feel like you could also be an expert in building teams. You know, Uh, (laughs) like a a team leader being more of a generalist and then some specialists. I I don't know, what do you think? I agree that a generalist would have the, the, the power of connecting people together. Yeah. And if we add another dimension to this is, especially in the cross-cultural domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work in a cross-cultural, like, like multicultural organization. Yeah. And it's quite tough because you have people who, you know, came from their own culture right away to work in a multicultural environment, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes everybody's behaving on his or her own cultural context. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I spent some time on this, I, I, I spent some time academically as well on understanding different cultures and what are the taboos here, you know, 
you know, uh, what a certain culture would like to do, what another culture would like, uh, maybe leadership style of, you know, mm-hmm. a certain culture in Asia or in the Middle East would be different from a French or, or an American or a British. It's fascinating. And the more you know about this, the more you are able to bring people together because you yeah. know why they react in that way. Oh my gosh. You're ama- that's amazing. I just got it. That's, that's really incredible because you could offer so much value to, um, you know, multicultural organizations and companies. In- this is actually something I'm, I'm, I'm doing beside what, what I'm doing because oh, I have yeah. this experience in, mm-hmm. and part of it is localization, right? Because, you know, you have certain companies, there are hundreds and thousands of examples of companies who failed in localizing themselves in certain you know countries and by the way they speak the same language so an american company will come to the uk and they fail and they don't know why they failed they thought of more other reasons and they forgot that soft component which was the cultural difference you know yeah they they have to twist things and change things just slightly when they come to a new country it, exactly because yeah. here the scale in the us the scale is so big but then in the uk scale is different so you know even in marketing you really have to think differently even in sales even merging team when you are acquiring that new company yeah. even you know when you acquire that team how you act and react with your new colleagues right so it's 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 really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Just blowing my mind here. So, what are some things that you don't want to regret when you retire? You you touched on this a little bit. Um, I you know I I had in I had in my life uh, quite a tough experience. I had an, a, a fatal accident uh, back in two thousand eight, and my car. I was in Malawi in Africa. My car overturned like flipped five times. Oh, wow. You survived. It flew three meters. It broke nine trees. And inside, I didn't see any of this. The people who saw the accident later, they they told me. But inside, I was, okay, it's done. You know, my life is done. I'm still in 25 or so. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. My life is done. And I couldn't think of too many regrets. but, But at the same time, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you really had to, I had to live my life fully to, to you know, to full expectations and potential and so. And then uh, a few hours later when I, when I, I was in a coma and then, you know, took me to the hospital and then I, oh, I'm still alive. I'm still awake. And, and the, the main idea that I had at that time, I was suffering for like 13 months of, you know, some fractures and so, but then later on, what I thought is, if I got another chance in my life, I have to really live it to, you know, to the extreme, to, to my best and fullest, you know, potential. So what I'm trying to do here is if you have a passion inside yourself, my own definition of passion is passions are the seeds that God implants in your heart in order to pursue your life purpose. That's my own definition, is your passions, as Jeff Bezos said, you don't choose your passions, they choose you. So when God implants something in your heart, it means, you know, like open a door and explore it. 
You know, if you have a calling about something, don't close the door because you will always regret. And for me, I really didn't want to regret. So even leaving, uh, so I was on leave from my diplomacy career while I was at the bank and I had to decide, okay, this is my big passion. I have to do this entrepreneurship. I have to, you know, coach people, all those values that I live by and I have to write my book. But then on the other side, I was leaving two highly paying jobs, the banking one and the diplomacy career as well. And especially the diplomacy career, it's like, you know, you're working in, in government, it's stable and, you know, you'll be an ambassador by the end of your career. And a, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's fulfilling and I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure then, you were good at it too. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And and I was like, kind of, uh, I, I can't, I have to either go there or conform yeah. and go back to what I'm doing. And then yeah. I say, I don't want to regret about this. Even if it's difficult, even if I would take some time to build what's, yeah. what's coming here. But I don't want, when I come to my last moment in life, to say, oh, I wish if I could do this. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to write books. I wanted to mm. speak about these things. Yeah. And just because I have a stable job over there, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's amazing. It's it's so inspiring because I love how you break this down about pursuing your passions that you don't have to leave your job or your existing career. You can just spend 30 minutes a day because it seems really digestible and how you talk about the triangle with values. And, you know, anyone who has been inspired by Mustafa, please reach out to him, buy his book, and I'll put your website and information in the show notes. Would you like to share any last bits of inspiration? for? Thank you, Carissa. Thank you so much. It's, um, I, I humbly advise myself and everybody who's listening to us every day when you wake up, like live your, your day to, you know, full expectations, like do your best, you know, think if, if it's my last day in, in this life, what I really should do. And you will really enjoy your day. You will be enjoying your life. You know, even with all the hardships and challenges, at least you'll be fulfilled, right? Great advice. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. One lucky listener who submits a review will win a chance in the grand prize drawing for a priceless VIP experience and gifts with Carissa herself. Be sure to head on over to zensuccesspodcast.com and pick up a copy of Carissa's free gift to help you on your Zen Success journey and join us on the next episode. Share with friends and increase your chances to win.